Welcome, and thank you for listening to the podcast of North Etowah Baptist Church. Visit us online at northetowah.org. Rather than church being a place where people far from God are met with shame, guilt, and condemnation, we believe Jesus leads us to be a family that extends His grace, mercy, and forgiveness to everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's service. If you would, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Jeremiah. In the Old Testament, you go to Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, there it is, Jeremiah, then Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, what's next, Joel, Amos, no, we better not. Go to Psalms, then go Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Okay, you get the picture. You know where Jeremiah's at? Picture, um, pictures. Pages seem to be slowing down turning, so I think you're getting there. Tonight I want to talk about the preacher's greatest. The preacher's greatest. I am a preacher, so I figured I could tell you some of the greatest. What do I mean by that? I want to, to, to consider tonight what I feel is the preacher's greatest motivation, what is the preacher's greatest challenge, and what is the preacher's greatest duty. All right, those are going to be the three points tonight. My greatest motivation, my greatest challenge, and my greatest duty. And we find all three of these things in Jeremiah. Now, we're going to be in different parts of this, this book, so, but we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 4 first. I believe you can judge any preacher, judge me and any other preacher, by these three points tonight. Let's go, Lord, in prayer, and then we'll dig into God's Word. Father, I pray that you would just bless this time we have together, and let us glean from your Word. And Lord, let us just dig in and find and see what you're saying so that we can apply it to life. And God, I thank you for letting us be here tonight together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the creatures, the creature. I just already did it, didn't I? All right, we have been focusing on a certain four-letter word in this month, okay? A four-letter word, uh, most of the songs we sang tonight have that four-letter word in them. Today, this morning, and last week, we had sermons talking about that four-letter word. The preacher's greatest motivation is, what is that four-letter word? Love. The preacher's greatest motivation is love. So because Jeremiah loved, he also hurt. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4, verse number 19. Let's start with verse 19. Jeremiah 4, 19. Because he loved, listen to this. My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart. My heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Crash follows hard on crash. The whole land is laid to waste. Suddenly my tents are laid waste. My curtains in a moment. How long must I see the standard 
and hear the trumpet, the sound of the trumpet. For my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil. But how to do good? They know not. You see, Jeremiah loved the people. But because he loved them so much, he hurt for them. He saw the people being tossed to and fro, listening to every wind of doctrine. And he saw them going from this meeting place and that meeting place. And he saw the people, they were not grounded in their beliefs. They were not committed to doing good. And Jeremiah was hurting and anguishing over the people. You see, it was love that made him hurt so. Friends, in the same way, it was love that motivated Jeremiah to preach. In Jeremiah 38, he was, pre he was preaching even though he was thrown in a slime pit. He still preached even from the depths of that mud. Captivity is coming. Captivity is coming. That's Jeremiah 38, 1 through 6. Isaiah, love motivated Isaiah to preach. He was captive and yet he was running around naked proclaiming the captivity. That's in Isaiah chapter 20 verse number 3. Then it, uh, love also motivated John the Baptist to preach the truth. And by preaching the truth, John the Baptist had his head cut off. He was beheaded. That's in Matthew chapter 14, for verses 3 through 11. These people were preaching truth. The love is what was motivating them. Stephen, the first martyr, he was preaching and preaching truth, but yet he was stoned because he was preaching the truth. And he called the Jews hypocrites. <laughs> That's in Acts chapter 7, 51 through 60. And we know about the apostle Paul. He had a great turning around. He became, he was Saul and became Paul. And he started preaching the truth. And he suffered in many ways. He had been placed in prison so many times. He had been shipwrecked. He had had all manner of things accused to him. But he never stopped preaching the gospel. Even in a jail cell, he was preaching. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Paul said, I'll never stop preaching. Love motivated all of these people. Love motivated them all to keep on keeping on. And you know the greatest example of that love is Jesus. You see, love is what held Jesus to the cross. He could have come off that cross at any moment, but he didn't because of love. That's an amen, see? Right there it is. Thank you, Avery. Love held Jesus on the cross. What a great place to have a newborn. Isn't that true? <laughs> I love it. Love held Jesus to the cross. He loved me and you so much that he stayed there. He was hurting for certain. 
But yet he never came down because of the love he had for you and me. And even from the cross. Do you remember? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34. It brings great emotion to me to think about my Lord hanging on that old rugged tree and hurting so, but the love that held him, that motivated him to be there. And he still said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What love. So tonight I say, the preacher's greatest motivation, and I'm honestly telling you, my greatest motivation is love. I love Jesus with everything in me. I love the church. I love to preach. And I love you. I love this family. That's the motivation that a preacher has. The greatest motivation is love. What's the second point? The greatest challenge. What is my greatest challenge? What is a, a preacher's greatest challenge if you're motivated by love? So, so what would be your challenge? I would say the challenge is repentance. Repentance. Repentance means a change of heart. You see, I want to do all I can to preach to people, the community, you, us. I want us to continually be in an attitude of repentance. And that's my greatest challenge. I believe a preacher's greatest challenge is, is to preach this repentance, this word. And friends, the problem is, in Jeremiah's day, the people wouldn't repent. Why wouldn't they repent? Because they were stubborn. They were stubborn and they were afraid of what other people might think. Does that remind you of today? It does me. Turn to one chapter over, Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5. We're going to look at the first three verses. Look at these first three verses and listen to Jeremiah. He says, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. He's saying, go find somebody. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares. To see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. He's wanting to pardon the whole land. Look at verse 2. Though they say, as the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. Verse 3. O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? You have struck them down, but they... Felt no anguish. You have consumed them, but they refuse to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. And then notice the last statement. They have refused to repent. Jeremiah is struggling here. Go one chapter over to chapter 6 and look at verse number 16. Just one verse there. Verse number 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for ancient paths 
where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, here's the last statement, we will not walk in it. The people in Jeremiah's day wouldn't repent. They were stubborn. They didn't want to repent. I say, is it any different than today? We have church houses all over this land. We got church houses about every corner. Almost the same here in Etowah. We got churches everywhere. People are hearing the news if they would but listen. But people don't want to hear the news. I'm saying, friends, we have got to preach this repentance. And in the church, you've heard me say it before, I believe the church, we have got to repent. I believe we have dropped the ball. I believe in the last few decades, we have let it slip. And we've let the society take over. The church was leading this country and we have let society start pushing the church back and down and down to now it's nothing for them to practice and have uh, all sorts of games and everything on Wednesday nights in particular. But Sunday is no more sacred any longer. We are letting society take over and it's the evil one that's doing it. It's not, I don't blame a person. I don't blame a congregation. I don't blame a school. I don't blame anybody. Friends, we have got to look to ourselves to say we let it happen because we quit standing true on what God's word says and standing true and holding to truths that are just the truth. We've not stood firm on those Ten Commandments there. We've not stood firm on this church covenant. We have not stood firm on what even, even this church has been built on. I'm talking about the church in, as a whole in our land. But friends, even us, individually, we have got blame for each one of us. We've all got to take responsibility and say, we've got to repent too. We've got to get back to the basics of life and tell and preach and stand and, and be firm in what God's Word says. We've got to preach repentance. And that is my challenge as a pastor. My greatest challenge is to continually preach repentance when the altars are drying up all across the land. I'm telling you, I'm not, you, you could ask any other preacher, most any other preacher, they would say the same thing. We are all doing the same. Our challenge is to fill altars that are not getting filled. That is our challenge today. The apostles, you want to know how important repentance was? The apostles preached repentance. Paul preached it. That's in Acts 17, verse 30. Paul preached it. Peter preached repentance. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. Then the great one, Jesus. Jesus Christ himself he began his ministry by preaching repent, repentance in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Then he preached to those who needed to repent. And he told them about the need to repent in Luke 5, verse 31 through 32. And then he just said, friends, the necessity for repentance is for us all. And that's in Luke 13, 3 through 5. Me, myself, my motivation is love. A preacher, any preacher's motivation should be love. But friends, I stand before you to say my greatest challenge, and I believe the challenge of any preacher 
Jeremiah experienced it all through to today. Our greatest challenge is to preach repentance. We have got to turn and have a change of heart. Motivation, love. Challenge, repentance. Thirdly, the third point is this. What is a preacher's greatest duty? This right here. To preach God's word. Preach the word. Stand firm on the good book. Stand firm on the holy, inerrant, inspired, perfect, awesome, holy Bible that God gave us. God's word we have in printed form. Preach the whole counsel of the word of God. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. And I'm going to read a few verses there. Jeremiah chapter 20 beginning with verse number 7. Jeremiah 20 verse 7. O Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. See, Jeremiah is talking here. He said, you are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry, I shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, there is, here listen to this, there is in my heart a burning as it were fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Jeremiah is saying, I can get aggravated and frustrated and mad, but there's something within me. I just got to preach the word, and I keep preaching the word because it is in my bones, and it just oozes out, and I can't stand it because it's like a fire burning in me. I have to tell you, I have to proclaim the good news. That, my friend, is from Jeremiah, the greatest duty of a preacher is to teach, preach, proclaim, stand firm on the holy, inerrant, inspired word. May I always stay true to God's word. I want to transition just a little bit to the New Testament. Real briefly, and I'll do it as quick as I can in closing. But I'm going to take you on a whirlwind tour of Timothy. First and second Timothy. We're going to go back and forth in first and second Timothy. If you can keep up, I want you to. If you can't, just jot down these verses. Because we're going to go back and forth in Timothy. The apostle Paul wrote two letters to Timothy encouraging him. And encouraging this co-worker, Paul had been had gone long and Timothy had been a, a co-worker of his in ministry and in missions. And, and Paul writes to Timothy and says, I want to encourage you to, to be uh, the minister that you need to be. And part of this duty is to preach the word. Jeremiah 
He got it. The first point of this is there's a great inward desire for the word. I just showed you there's a great inward desire for the word just like Jeremiah had. And Jeremiah showed us that you, as a preacher you've got to have that great inward desire. But now Paul is going to be writing to Timothy and he's going to say that to preach the word there must be a great outward example of the word. A great outward example. With this in mind let's look at what Paul encouraged Timothy. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11. He said, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Now here he is, he's encouraging an outward example. He said, flee these things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue steadfastness. Pursue gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who, is in, his, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. A great outward example that's part of the duty of preaching the word to preach the word we got to have an inward example we got to have an outward example to preach the word we got to have the attitude of a lion to preach the word got to have an attitude of the lion 1st Timothy chapter 1 1st Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18 this charge I entrust to you Timothy my child in accordance with the prophecies made about you that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. You've got to have to preach the word. You've got to have the attitude of a lion. But what's the opposite? To preach the word, you've got to have the meekness of a lamb. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. Sorry to put you on a Bible drill tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So to preach the word, you've got to have the meekness of a lamb. To preach the word, you've got to be able to have a watchfulness to warn others. Warn others. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Hey, backwards again, 1 Timothy chapter 4. The first six verses. He goes through and he, he, he talks and he says, Now the Spirit expresses, expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. I believe we're experiencing that, don't you? By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage. Listen to this. And require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected 
if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. He says, if you put these things before the brothers, verse 6, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. He's going through and telling Timothy all of these snares that are coming up. And then he said, warn others. Teach them. Show them. If you put this before them, you have done a good work. So if you want to be a good preacher, you've got to put it and be able to warn others. Then, a good preacher, to preach the message, to preach the word, you've got to have an obligation to sound doctrine, to be sound in the faith. Paul encourages Timothy. I'm sorry, we're going to go to 2 Timothy. This second time, this last time we're in 2 Timothy now. 2 Timothy chapter 1, the, verse 13. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You've got to have an obligation to be sound in the faith. Then you have a discipline to memorize scripture. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, that's not the, the translation that we've studied and, and memorized in Bible drills. We studied, study to show thyself approved and to be a good workman unto God. So friends, that's what we got to do. We have got to memorize Scripture. To be able to preach, the duty of a preacher is to preach the word. And to do that, we have got to be memorizing scripture. And then finally, you've got to have the courage to proclaim it. Courage to proclaim it. And that's the final statement that I want you to look at. Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, I can stop there, but I want you to notice verse 3. Are we not living, verse 3, and following? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But they have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Verse 4. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. He goes on and says, I'm already being poured out. The time of my departure has come. Verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. Tonight, the preacher's greatest motivation. I share with you my greatest motivation is love. I share with you the preacher's greatest challenge is to preach repentance. To continually preach that repentance to the world. And the preacher's greatest duty is to stand firm and to preach the inerrant, inspired, complete counsel of God's word. And now I tell you, hold me accountable. I ask you to. I don't mind at all. If I ever, if I ever stray from that path, draw me back in. Don't kick me out, just draw me back in. <laughs> because, friends, preaching's not the easy thing to do. But it's a calling. And when you're called, it's what you do. Tonight, I hope you've heard the love story. I hope you've heard that more than anything, my motivation's love, and I hope you've heard the motivation of this church is love. I hope you've heard that love is a Christian's motivation. Tonight, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I know it's a Sunday night. We're all Christians. Maybe. Maybe not. There may be some here that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Tonight, I would like for you and I would love for you to let me tell you more about my Savior. Won't you come and receive the free gift of salvation? Tonight, maybe you need to come repent. Maybe tonight you just want to come pray. You want to come and just talk to God about some something in your life. There's several things that could be going on in your life, and you need to just bring it to the Father, the one who can take care of it. So tonight, this altar is for you. And just because you come, we're not going to say there's a, that you've got a problem because you may be coming to pray for somebody else, and we know that, to, to bring them, to give them an opportunity to come. So tonight, this time of response is for anybody, for all of us actually, to respond to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. Don't push back when the Holy Spirit's calling. Respond the way He wants you to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time again. And Lord, I pray that we would respond the way you want us to respond and do what you call us to do. And we just give you praise and thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the services at North Etowah Baptist Church. If you made a decision for Christ today, head over to northetowah.org slash contact. Fill out the form and someone from our staff will be quick to contact you, not to mention we'd love to worship with you. All worship times and other activities can be found on our website. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.